Well, hi again, everybody. I'm Ron Alesco, and uh, this is Traditions. And that song, I think, is a, a, a perfect theme uh, for this show, especially for today. Uh, we have um, a couple of great guests coming up. In our second hour, we're going to be doing uh, the Everly set. Sean Altman and uh, um, Jack Scully will be here. They're, they do a, a performance as the Everly Brothers. Uh, not as the Everly Brothers. It's not an imitation, but it is a... Uh, uh, an honoring of their music, and we'll, we'll share that. They're going to be performing at Ethical Brew next Saturday night here in Teaneck, New Jersey. Uh, during the 5 o'clock hour, we're, we'll be doing a, um, excerpts from yesterday's dedication ceremony for the new statue of Pete Seeger at the Puffin Foundation in Teaneck, New Jersey. Uh, an amazing statue created by uh, sculptor Ga uh, Gary Sussman. And we'll have some excerpts from the speeches and some music, and that'll be during the final hour of our show today. But right now, we've got a good old friend joining us in the studio. Uh, it's been about a year since he was with us last, and uh, his name is George Mann. George, welcome. How are you doing? Hello, Ron. Uh, glad to be here today, especially to talk a little bit about our old friend Utah Phillips. And yeah. Share, uh, some reflections and songs of his. Uh, coming back from some gigs on Long Island and on my way back up to Ithaca, so you're a perfect <laughs> halfway stop. And uh, glad you could uh, accommodate me to come in today. Well, I'm glad you're available. The, the door is always open for you when when you're traveling through the area. And uh, as you mentioned, you know Utah Phillips, uh, Bruce Utah Phillips. It's been ten years since he passed away. May twenty third. Uh, May twenty third. Yeah. Two thousand and eight. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And it was also just a few days after his birthday as well. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, Utah was uh, a mentor to you uh, in, in many ways. Um, so talk to us a bit about Utah. Sure. How, how did you, how hey, did... well, first off, uh, May 3rd was Pete Seeger's oh, birthday. Right, right, uh, right. May 15th was Utah's, and, and that other guy, Zimmerman, is May 24th. <laughs> right. Uh, so a lot of great folk singers uh, born in May, and uh, we were singing a lot of Pete Seeger songs this weekend, too, to, to remember Pete and, and his contributions. I'm looking forward to hearing your segment on yesterday's memorial. But uh, Utah, you know, he, he was just uh, somebody who gave so much to other folk singers trying to, to make their way through the business, through the trade, as he called it. And so I was very lucky to, to meet up with him in the last six or so years of his life and, and uh, benefit from his wisdom, his knowledge, his expertise, and, uh, and his friendship. And uh, he was part of all the albums I produced uh, during those years, the anti-Bush compilations. We did four of them. He was on the second, third, and fourth, because I didn't meet him till after the first <laughs> one was out. And uh, we, we did one every two years during the Bush uh, era. And um, and we've used his music. I, I put a song of his on every record I make since he's passed, including the um, two compilations about war, um, the Until You Come Home compilations, the dealing with PTSD and the issues that veterans and their families face. And uh, Utah, as you know, was a Korean War vet, or right. you know, served right after the Korean War in a very difficult time there, and that that did affect him in many ways for the rest of his life. Um, so he has powerful songs about that stuff. And uh, and about what, and his experiences there. So as we approach the 10th anniversary, there's some some events coming up at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. We'll get to talking about that his son has put together to honor him. And I thought it'd be nice just to share a little bit of his music and some reflections today about him. Absolutely. You knew him too, of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know him that well. No. I only met him a few yeah. times. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's just somebody who has such a such an amazing influence and still does to everyone, everyone he met. Yeah. Um, he was a, a real example. And I remember one of the things that he always would say on stage uh, that he, we don't write these songs. Once they're, once they're, they're written, they're out there for everybody. They're everybody's songs. And he really, he really believed in, in, in that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what made him so close with audiences and, and why his songs are going to live on because... 
they are for all of yeah. us. Well, he, I mean, he knew that the artist brings the song to the table or to the record right. or to the stage. But, but what gets that there is often the contribution of the people that the songs end up being about. Right. And, uh, and, and he knew that from a very early age, that the stories he was hearing as a hobo in the 50s, as a wobbly, talking to some of the last IWWs who were still alive in mm -hmm. the 60s and 70s, who had been there from the beginning in 1905 as the IWW grew, um, that their stories would be forgotten if they were not captured. And captured in song, and, and ultimately captured on record. You know, mm -hmm. so um, so yeah, he's a lot of people don't remember what a great musician and songwriter he was. They think of him as the character and the storyteller, <laughs> and the guy who uh, who you know fought for public radio and fought for you know for for, for workers' rights and against war and for peace. He was very much a pacifist. But when you go back and you listen to the early recordings of him, yeah. and you hear the live, the stuff that's out there from the 70s, when you can find that stuff on the internet, um, he was quite the picker, and he wrote some really powerful songs. And he knew and he learned, just like Woody knew. Um, and as Peter said, anybody can write a difficult song. It takes a real good songwriter to write a simple one that'll stick with you and that'll stick in your head. And um, that's what Utah songs to me, are imp important thing to remember that he he's got songs that they may not always be sing-alongs, but they're songs that'll you won't forget after you listen to them once or twice. That's absolutely true. And and the song that I have queued up now is a song. One of the first songs I remember hearing him perform. I remember the first time I saw him was at an old festival um, that only lasted one year at Bear Mountain in New York, and he was the MC for that first evening. And he was—he just amazed me with the stories. What year was that around? This was late seventies, late seventies, probably mm -hmm. maybe early eighties, but not—not—it's not, been a distant memory. Although I still uh -huh. have a T-shirt from it. <laughs> but and it he, was not involved with Clearwater. It was no, no, it wasn't. It was—it was almost um, Phil Seginer, the, uh, the town crier, organized this at Bear Mountain. They wanted to put on their own version of Clearwater, mm. and it was a lovely location. But it, uh, I guess a lot of financial issues that they never really did it again. But I remember he sang this song that night, and it's a song called "All Used Up," uh, probably one of his most recognized songs. So let's take a listen now to, uh, to Utah Phillips, Bruce Utah Phillips, and uh, one of my favorite songs, hopefully one of yours. And we'll be back to talk a little bit more with George Mann after this song. I spent my whole life making somebody rich. I busted my ass for that son of a bitch. And he left me to die like a dog in a ditch. But he told me I'm all used up. He used up my labor, he used up my time He plundered my body and squandered my mind And gave me a pension of handouts and wine Told me I'm all used up My kids are in hock to a god you call work Slaving their lives out for some other jerk Yeah, my youngest in Frisco just made shipping clerk He don't know I'm all used up the young people reaching for power and gold Don't have respect for anything old For pennies they're bought and for promises sold Someday they'll all be used up They use up the oil, they use up the trees They use up the air and they use up the sea Well how about you friend and how about me What's left when we're all used up I'll finish my life in this rummy hotel it's lousy with bugs and my God, what a smell. But my plumbing still works and I'm clear as a bell. Don't tell me I'm all used up. 
Outside my window, the world passes by, gives me a hand out and spits in my eye. And no one can tell me, cause no one knows why. I'm living, but I'm all used up. Sometimes in my dreams, I sit by a tree. My life is a book of how things used to be. Kids gather around and they listen to me. They don't think I'm all used up. And there's songs and there's laughter and things I can do. And all that I've learned I can give back to you. I'd give my last breath just to make it come true. No, I'm not all used up. They use up the oil and they use up the trees. They use up the air and they use up the sea. Well, how about you, friend, and how about me? What's left when we're all used up? Utah Phillips, all used up. Wow, what what a what a treasure! Uh, you know, I remember the last few years when his health was ill. Uh, he wasn't doing as many concerts, uh, like one a month. It turned it came down to, but it was always he still had that energy as soon as he stepped on the on the stage. The energy to share these songs and to to, to tell these stories, and as you said before, to pass it on to to, to new generations. How how did you first be, meet Utah? Well, uh, I first met him. Not in the flesh. I met him through a, a cassette I got from my vice president of my union in 1997 of uh, the wonderful concert he did for the honoring the Wobblies. We have fed you all a thousand years uh, out in uh, British Columbia in uh, record in uh, 1988. And it was like a lightning bolt to my head, as I always say. It was like, man, there was a guy. I was in the labor movement. Here's a guy telling stories, singing songs, you know, keeping the history alive and, and, and with humor and grace and all of that in a live concert. Um, I actually met him in the flesh a few years later at the Western Workers Labor Heritage Festival with Julius Marglin, my, my elderly singing partner who was about 82 or something at the time uh, and who I worked with for 10 years. We were out there, and Utah had been playing some of our songs on his Loafer's Glory um, the program because he the, the KVMR out there in Nevada City where he lived had gotten the album, and somebody had passed it on to him and said, you'd like these guys. They're labor guys. And so... Uh, he turns around and saw us at the festival during a break. It was a free, he'd just come in, apparently, yeah. And the first words out of his mouth were, George and Julius, I love you guys. <laughs> I've been playing you on my radio show. He didn't even say hello. That's all, all right. he exhorted. And uh, gave us a hug, and, of course, we became fast friends. And, and um, you know, uh, of course, we lived 3,000 miles away, so we didn't get to see each other over the years. But he was part of every project I produced while he was alive with the Hail to the Thief uh, anti-Bush compilations of folk songs. And he, to this day, we put a song of his on every record I've made since he passed, including the anti-war compilations. So, um, yeah, But I got to visit him a few times in Nevada City with Julius. We'd stop by the house and spend a couple hours with him to go out to lunch or something as we were on our way to either Reno or Salt Lake City or coming the other way. And um, and kept in touch with him right to the end, uh, and especially when he got sick um, and the, the, the congestive heart failure was acting up in the last couple of years of his life. As you said, he when he we got better for a while, and he could still go out. and He said, "I'm only giving myself not one concert a month, but one weekend a month." Right, right. So he might do two or three shows in the same area, and and then he would rest and recover. And then, of course, at the end, about eight or nine months before he passed, he had to give it up because he couldn't. He had to mm -hmm. cancel a couple of shows because you know the health issues were acting up. And um, and as proud as he was, he didn't want to ask for help. But those of us who knew we had a debt to repay uh, went out and raised money for him. 
and um, specifically, you know, went to unions, and, and I, I drafted a letter with him and his wife, Joanna, that we, we were able to photocopy and spread around to other people that they could take to their union meetings and get a resolution of support and a few hundred dollars. And uh, I'll never forget one of the last messages that I got from him, maybe about two, three weeks before he died. Uh, I got a phone message, and it's just, hey, George, this is Utah. I just want you to, to tell you, I got another check in the mail from a union today. Oh. I want to thank you. You're a true friend and really appreciate it. Aww. And I only spoke to him one more time after that and because uh, his health was failing and he passed away. But about a week before he died, uh, I was up in Albany at the 8th Step where I just was with Charlie King and Magpie uh, for Workers Memorial Day concerts uh, 10 days ago. And we did a benefit there um, for Utah and uh, raised, I forget, but a good amount of money that night to help him and his family with the expenses. So... Uh, as I said, it's. Uh, I mean, I, I wish I'd had more time with him, as anybody yeah. would say, you know. But of course, you know, you, you're lucky enough to even get that close to someone who has so many people demanding his time sure. and his energy. And uh, he always made time for me. And and I won't even go into the details, but he gave me the best job advice I ever got. Um, and specifically, at one point around 2006, a couple of years before he died, I was I was not making a living in the folk world, so I, I was thinking about taking a job as a legal editor where I was doing freelance work, and I was real in a quandary about it. And he had a long talk with me, and his basic his basic uh, advice was, "Don't quit that job. Take it. Milk it for all you want. You know, you make the money. Figure out how to make." A living in the folk world and when you're ready to quit you will mm. and he was right yeah. I, I lasted there about two two years and ten months <laughs> and i quit a week after julius passed away uh -huh. and i said that's it i'm going to give it a shot full time and that was about nine years ago yeah and you're still doing it that's what, well that's making a living but barely you <laughs> right. know as utah said you make a living not a killing in this business right and, and as we all know the folk world is difficult you know especially mm -hmm. in these changing times um, I'm lucky enough that I, I do a lot of work, as you know, with nursing and veterans homes. That's my day job. You know, I sing in some 55, 60 different homes mm. on a regular basis all over upstate New York uh, when I'm not on tour. Mm -hmm. So uh, so he taught me how to, to figure out what I was doing wrong in the business. And that's advice that I always pass on if, if anybody's asking me, uh, how do you make a living in this business? You know, the first answer is don't try, right? <laughs> don't quit your day job in this times. But Utah was, and, and, and as much as I tell you about me, he was that way with anybody who he sensed was doing the good work. You know, right. if he knew your heart was pure and, and your, your desire was good um, to do good with your music, you weren't out for fame and fortune and millions, you're out there to keep this music alive, he was perfectly willing to help you out and give yeah. you time and, and, and any advice he could. Yeah, and that's another thing I remember strongly about him. Oh, yeah, real giving man. I, the last I saw him was at the uh, Philadelphia Folk Festival a couple of years before he passed away. And uh, just... You know, he was so, he was playing before, you know, a mixed generation audience. But yet he reached those young people that were out there with a the message. And uh, it was just a beautiful sight. I, I hope somebody recorded that someday. Sure, sure. Well, hey, speaking of recordings, I'd like to play another one of uh, Utah's songs. Um, this is a song that you actually recorded at one point, too. It's, uh, it's called... Um, uh, old buddy, good night. Yes, uh, you know the story behind this. No, song. why don't you oh, share that? Well, yeah. before you hear this, your listeners hear the story, I'll just give you a quick story of it. Utah was working in the Joe Hill House. He had been a hobo for a number of years, you know, bumming around the country after he came home from service in the late fifties, and he he ended up at the Joe Hill House, which is a Catholic worker house for you know transients for you know uh, the itinerant workers uh, traveling and hobos and others like that, and. Um, one night, uh, some guys, he, he spent about eight years there, and he became a pacifist. Ammon Hennessy did a lot, to, had a lot to do with Utah's views changing. 
uh, and him becoming the man he was. But um, one night, a cold, a train coming in on a cold February night from Wyoming, and a bunch of the hobos came up and banged on the door. It was like 10 at night, 11 at night, and they let him in. They warmed him up around the fire, gave him some stew, put some blankets on him. And he said about half an hour later, one of the bows mentioned, oh, yeah, there's another guy down there in the car. He wasn't feeling so good, so we left him there. And Utah and the Cajun and, you know, Ammon ran down there. They started busting open cars, and they found them eventually, but it was too late. He was dead, you know, had no name. They buried him in a pauper's grave. No idea how to, if there was anybody who knew this man, you know, how they would even get to him. So he went and wrote that song. And he said, I was always angry because he said, I wish they just told us when they came in because we might have, might have saved him, you know. But he wrote this song, Oh Buddy, Good Night, about him. I was there when they opened the boxcar, found him stone dead on the floor. No thumbing and bumming was all of our trade. No one had seen him before. He wore the face of a stranger, lost and unseen in a crowd. He looked so small as we carried him down, wrapped in a newspaper shroud. A wind blows cold in Wyoming. The stars shine clear and bright. Don't wake up tomorrow at all I guess it's old buddy good night His hair was the color of winter All streaked with iron and coal And all you could see in his soft prairie eyes Was the wind and the grass and the snow The backs of his hands were like road maps The lines on his face were the same on his left arm a faded tattoo ordered a rose and a name the wind blows cold in wyoming the stars shine clear and bright if you don't wake up tomorrow at all i guess it's old buddy good night now i don't know where he came from his train was a up freight there's someone waiting for him on the coast He'll be a little bit late So give him a line in your paper And here's what I want you to say There's some things worse than dying alone One of them's a living that way The wind blows cold in Wyoming The stars shine clear and bright don't wake up tomorrow at all I guess it's old buddy good night old buddy good night Utah Phillips we're coming up on the 10th anniversary of Utah's passing and uh, joining me today on traditions is George Mann who was uh, a friend a mentor he's a musician an activist and uh a good guy too. <laughs> so let's throw that in there I'll as try well. To be. Um, George, you're you're involved in a few events that are going to be commemorating Bruce, and including one with a railroad car. Tell us this story. This yeah, is an so interesting one. I'll be one. attending with uh, many many people. 
Uh, I know Mark Ross is going to be there, one of Utah's great friends and longtime accompanist who I've played with a few times and looking forward to seeing Mark. Mark was one of the Rose Tattoo, of course. And I'm not sure how many other, you know, no, known folkies are going to be there. But um, it's an event over Memorial Day weekend out in Weed, California, at the Black Butte Center for Railroad Culture, which is a museum set up, a living museum to honor railroad culture and especially the workers and the hobos uh, that are around car railroad trains all the time and railroad stations. And uh, what Utah's son Duncan did about a year ago, a little over a year ago, uh, found out about this, that there's this old railroad car that Utah lived in for four years when uh, he, he bought it in 1975 uh, and placed it on the grounds of the, the, the land of Philo Records up in Vermont. And he, he made it his home for four <laughs> years. So, of course, he was on the road a lot of the time, obviously. Um, and it was there, and, and it sat there for 40 years after Utah moved west and left it there. And the studio eventually was sold to a private owner who made it into a house. And uh, Duncan heard about this, that the, the owner wanted to get rid of that car. So he got in touch with him, and the man who's a state assemblyman, I think. He's a, I think he's some state senator or state assemblyman in Vermont. He donated it to Duncan. And said, as long as you get it out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and we raised $20,000 over the last year or wow. so, a little over $20,000 to truck it last fall uh, on a flatbed. They took it apart. They took the carriage and the, the, the car apart uh, in two different trucks and brought it out to this museum. And Duncan's been working on it all winter, uh, you know, renovating it, painting it, getting it ready. And the ribbon cutting ceremony is going to happen on Saturday, May 26th. Oh, that's nice. uh, it'll be a Chautauqua a weekend of event. Uh, to honor Utah and to open it. And it'll be a permanent shrine, a uh, memorial to Utah, and uh, possibly even a performance space. There's room in there. It's a little tight, but uh, <laughs> you have small concerts in there. It's 40 feet by 8 feet, so you have, like, long rows, you know. <laughs> but um, but the real honor, the real purpose is, is, you know, 10 years to honor him and remember him. And uh, Duncan and his son, Brendan, will also be there. And uh, I'm hoping his wife, Joanna, will be there, too. I don't know if she's coming, but... Uh, it's not too far away from Nevada City, so I'm hoping she makes up there. And it'll be one more chance for us to say, wow, this man left a mark on all of us. Yeah. And uh, for, in my case, I just set up a few concerts on the West Coast that week so I can get up there uh, for that weekend. I'm doing some concerts Memorial Day in Berkeley and in Ukiah the weekend, uh, Friday before I get up there. Uh, that's, uh, that's incredible. I'm, I'm so happy that they, they do this. You know, a lot of railroad museums tend to look like a, um, a junkyard at times of just uh, used pieces. But to have something like this with a history and a memory and uh, to be able to share that with uh, visitors, uh, maybe people who don't know who Utah Phillips is will see that train and start doing a little research on their own. And those of us who have been uh, affected by him and, and touched yeah. by his work will be able to visit there in the future. I mean, he lived there for four years in that space. Right. You can, I'm sure we'll be able to feel his presence oh, in sure. whatever way when you're there. But um, the other thing about the, the Blackview Center for Railroad Culture uh, is it's not a living museum as you would think of it. It's outdoors. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got six or seven different locomotives and railroad cars, and they're starting to put together exhibits about the different aspects of working on the railroad. And, uh, and a a lot of um, what we would call modern-day hobos you right. know, come through there and have for years the two men who run it. One of them is a Wobbly, a good friend of mine named Baltimore Red, uh, and he's a train engineer. And he and his partner bought this land some, I don't know, eight or ten years ago. And, uh, and they started building this museum, you know. That's great. So it'll just be a good chance to celebrate Utah. You know, we, I was thinking when you're talking about Pete a little bit, and um, I think back to, you know, mentors like Pete and Utah and Faith Petrick. And, you know, you, look, you know them for years. And then in those last years, you see how fragile their health mm. is. And 
yet the spirit is still, the fire is still there. Yep. Right to the end, you know? And, uh, and that's very touching memories I have of all of them, you know? Um, to, to, and, and part of the reason I'm so uh, interested in, in keeping their work alive and, of course, to honor them and make sure that people don't forget the, what, what they left us right. in the folk world. Well, you, you're keeping his memory alive. You wrote a song about Utah that appeared on one of your albums, uh, the album for, for Jules and Bruce. Um, actually, you know what? Before we do that, why don't we have you play one of Utah's songs? Okay, All yeah, right, yeah because we'll way. play the recording yes, of that one. Yes, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that as we, as we wrap up. But right. let me sing you this one by Utah. I sing a bunch of his songs, and I love them all. And uh, I keep saying I want to learn more. And I learned this one recently, Hood River Roll On. I'm recording it now for the next album. And my friends from Magpie are going to be singing on it next month when they come through Ithaca. Uh, Greg and Terry are going to add their lovely voices to it. Uh, he wrote it for Hood River Blackie, one of the great hobos who, who helped Utah at the very beginning. He said, you know, he stopped them from getting on a train once. He said, son, young man, you got a lot of those strings and ropes hanging out of your bindle there, and you're going to get caught on something and dragged a considerable distance. You, I'm going to teach you how to uh, roll that up properly. And they missed the train, uh, but he learned it, and he never forgot that lesson. And uh, he didn't even know Hobo La- uh, who, who Hood River Blackie was yet. Uh, but he got to know him. And Hood River Blackie, when he passed, Utah wrote this beautiful song called Hood River Roll On. The rusty pot bubbles, bottle goes round. Did you hear about Blackie? He flat the westbound. The young ones drift off to get drunk in their dreams. The old men sip coffee and stare through the steam. Would a river roll on? There's so much to remember. The old times are gone. Would a river roll on? Well, the fire's not down. The balloons are all packed. They're coming and flapping along the steel track. The green kid remembers the old man's advice. He shakes out his bedroll and rolls it up nice. Put a river roll on There's so much to remember The old times gone Put a river roll on Well the box rumbles up On a black cinder gray Some tumble inside The others just wait Till scattered by smoke Or the crunch of the shack But no one looks up And no one looks back Put a river roll on, there's so much to remember, the old times are gone, put a river roll on. May your long apple valley stay green through the fall, and your magic white mountain watch over us all. Lead your old apple knockers in and out of the snow, let your rubber trams ride where the trains never go. Put a river roll on, there's so much to remember, the old times are gone. Put a river roll on, put a river roll on, there's so much to remember, the old times are gone. Put a river roll on. 
Oh, very nice. Good river roll on from our guest, George Mann, live in our studio today on Traditions. Uh, you mentioned you're going to be recording that for uh, an upcoming album with Magpie and, yes. uh, and others. Uh, um, w- w- tell us about the CD. What, what, what are your plans? Oh, well, uh, we're in the early stages. Um, I, you know, I only make an album about every two years. I, I don't write a, a hundred songs a, a year or anything like that. And uh, so I just started recording in March, the beginning of we're working on eight songs for the new record. Uh, as always, I, I can't give up my rock and roll fixation. <laughs> I mean, there's two or th- uh, four songs with drums on them. No, no electric guitars yet. There's really? one or two that are going to have some electric guitars, <laughs> okay. but but I but the rest of the album will be folky and acoustic. And uh, so, um, yeah, I've written a bunch of songs for the new record and uh, recording among other songs. I'm recording Hood River Roll On, uh, and. Um, how can I keep from singing? Oh, nice! Uh, we did a beautiful yes. version. Magpie's going to come in and sing on that. We've already recorded that one, and they're coming in to add their harmonies next month too. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, so uh, just getting ready for, for you know, I'll have it out by the fall. I'm going to be touring Australia again in October, and uh, some dates on the West Coast. But uh, most of my summer will be taken up with the recording and my regular day job, which is singing for nursing and veterans homes all around upstate New York. You know. Uh, getting out to California in, you know, in about three weeks for these gigs and the Great Labor Arts Exchange at the end of June, which is the annual gathering of labor artists. I always look forward to that and a great time to get together. We're honoring Local 1000 this year on the 25th anniversary. That's the AFM, American Federation of Musicians, mm-hmm. um, traveling musicians union, mostly folk singers, but right. mostly for, you know, for traveling musicians and performers. And Utah, John McCutcheon, Pete Seeger, they were all there at the start of that. Uh, and they got this union together for the folks like me who, you know, had no access to pension benefits, had no access to health insurance, um, didn't have the protections of a union behind them or a contract, you know, when we're right. there doing the folk work. And Utah was part of that effort, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll be honoring them at the end of June uh, and in Local 1000, the 25th anniversary of our, our folk singing, traveling musicians local. It sounds like you're going to be quite busy. It's going to be a good, good time. I'm looking forward. You know, life, uh, you slow down. You know, I'm sure you know this, too. You know, uh, I think uh, I'm in 55 now, going on 56, and I'm starting to feel old, you know. Oh, you're a kid. And, Come on. Yeah, but, but it's, it's happening. And, uh, and you realize how precious time becomes yes, and right. how much important it is to leave stuff in the world. So I'm trying to turn my negative energy, and there's a lot of that inside of me because of the current political yeah. situation and who's in charge of our government. Uh, trying to turn that to, to positive thoughts and love and appreciation and smiles wherever I go. Oh, that's great, and 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 keeping these memories alive and these inspirations like 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 Utah Phillips and and Jules Margolin and and, and all the others. Uh, I, I want to play that song now that I mentioned sure. a few minutes ago. This was a song you recorded on your album called Songs for Jules and Bruce. It, it's a song called uh, Utah Sounds Fine. Yes. Now I'll tell you quickly about it. I know we're running short on time. You got another guest coming. Uh, I wrote this about a month or so after he passed. I'd gone out for the funeral, took Faith Petrick up into Nevada City because she had no other way to get there. She was probably about 89 or 91 probably at the time. And uh, when Utah passed, we went up there for the weekend, and I met Mark Ross there. I met, saw Duncan and saw you know Joanna and people I, I knew from Utah's past again. And a month later, I was we're working on this album, and it didn't, didn't have a title yet. It wasn't going to be called Songs for Jules and Bruce. But... Uh, uh, I had just started work on the album, and I was up in the recording studio, and the song came to me one night. I said, I want to write a song for Utah, but not about him. Because, of course, you know, just like Pete, he didn't have an ego that way. He didn't want to be lauded. And uh, so I, I thought he would, with his humor, he'd love a song that's called Utah Sounds Fine that ain't about Utah Phillips at all. It's about one of those bows who's so down on their luck that they think going to Utah to start over is a decent idea. 
And uh, so it's a song about one of those people that he championed called Utah Sounds Fine. Maybe Portland's my goal All the green rolling hills of West Virginia They say Houston's got soul Or Santa Fe in the long nights of winter Maybe all the dreams I'm chasing Lie around the next corner But there's so many turns And there's so many roads And I know I can't stay here forever While the world's spinning out on my town But from all that I know all that you've shown me Utah sounds fine Utah's sounding fine Where do you go When you've run out of choices and money Get a job, you old bow. Oh, I would if someone would just hire me. Maybe all the dreams I'm chasing lie around the next corner. But there's so many turns and there's so many Stay here forever While the world's spinning out all my town But from all that I know And all that you've shown me Utah sounds fine Utah's sounding fine For running away, Utah Train 
George Mann. George Mann in a song called um, uh, Utah Sounds Fine. Not about Utah Phillips, but inspired by Utah and his stories that appeared on uh, George's album Songs for Jules and Bruce. Well, I just thought people would appreciate it, especially Utah. If he were alive, he would have appreciated the double entendre. Uh, right. Because right. uh, I introduced that song and everybody's like, oh, a song about Utah. I said, no, it's not about him at all. <laughs> it's about the people that he honored. And of course, in right. that way, it is about him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, uh, so anyway, so I'm looking forward to this this Chautauqua that's going to be honoring him. Um, people who are interested in it, of course, you can if you're on Facebook, um, Duncan Phillips, you should friend him, and you can find information there or the website that Utah, uh, his son keeps alive, uh, the thelongmemory.com, mm-hmm. is where um, Duncan's been posting stuff about this upcoming event. And if anybody's listening out there in California, come on up to Weed uh, the weekend of uh, Memorial Day. There's going to be a lot of music all weekend. You know, uh, the ribbon cutting ceremony is Saturday afternoon, the 26th. And then there'll be music and celebration of his life throughout the weekend. Oh, it sounds like a great event. And, uh, and if our audience wants to get in, t- in touch with you, what, what is your website? Or? George Mann, M-A-N-N dot O-R-G. Com was taken, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately. So on georgemann.org or getting on Facebook, George Mann out of Ithaca. And, uh, yeah, a lot of that stuff is, of course, you can just access it on the web now. A lot of this music, you just uh, title, the Google the titles and you can, you can, you can find the streaming right. on the Internet. So much of that stuff is out there. So I appreciate the time here and good yeah, to see you again. I'll, see you too. I'll, I'll get the album out in the fall and maybe come visit next year. Well, we're looking <laughs> forward to it. We're going to end up with another song from Utah Phillips. We've got lots more music coming up on Traditions, including um, excerpts from the uh, Pete Seeger dedications, uh, statues de- dedication ceremony yesterday, and also the Everly set will be joining us. And George Mann, thank you so much for coming by today. Good to see you, Ron. Take care. Let me sing to you all the old songs I know of wild, windy places locked in timeless snow and white crimson deserts where the muddy rivers flow. It's sad, but the telling takes me home. Come along with me to some places that I've been where people all look back and still remember when and the quicksilver legends like sunlight turn and blend it's sad but the telling takes me home we'll walk along some wagon roads or down the iron rail past lines of rusty cadillacs that mark the boomtown trail where dreamers never win and doers never fail it's sad but the telling takes me home i could tell you all some lies that were just made up for fun where the loudest meanest bragging could beat the fastest gun and i'll show you nameless graves that tell the way the west was won it's sad but the telling takes me home I'll sing of my amigos who come from down below and whisper in their loving tongue the songs of Mexico 
They worked there, stole and eaten, lost so long ago. It's sad, but the telling takes me home. I'll sing about an emptiness the East has never known, where coyotes don't pay taxes and a man can be alone. And yet have to walk forever just to find a telephone. It's sad, but the telling takes me home. Uh, let me sing to you all the old songs I know of wild, windy places locked in timeless snow and white, crimson deserts where the muddy rivers flow. It's sad, but the telling takes me home. Utah Phillips, The Telling Takes Me Home. We are coming up on the 10th anniversary of the passing of Bruce Utah Phillips, and I want to thank George Mand for coming by today and sharing some memories, songs, and uh, for helping to keep that spirit alive. I'm Ron Alesco, and you're listening to Traditions over 89.1 WFUFM and bluesandrootsradio.com.